and welcome to the Human Boombox. My name is Megan Minty, and today we are doing another album audit. That is where we dig deeper into some of the best albums from today and yesterday. And today, we have a biggie. It is, to this day, the best-selling album of all time, with over 70 million copies sold worldwide. It was certified 34 times platinum and won a record-breaking eight Grammy Awards. We are talking about the penultimate pop album, Michael Jackson's Thriller. It was released on November 30th, 1982 by Epic Records and was Michael Jackson's sixth studio album. And it was produced by none other than Quincy Jones himself, who worked previously with Jackson on his 1979 album, Off the Wall. Jackson wanted to create an album where every song was a killer. That's in his words. With the ongoing backlash against disco, he moved into a new musical direction, resulting in a mix of pop, post-disco, rock, funk, and soul sounds. And boy, did he. The classic album cover with Michael in the white suit that if you pulled out the album cover, it showed him with a baby tiger by his leg. It literally made him the biggest star in the world. It stayed a record of 37 weeks at number one and gave us seven hit singles. And those seven singles are what we are going to look deeper at today. So let's start this album off with track number one, the aptly named Wanna Be Starting Something. Starting Something was the fourth single released on May 8, 1983. The lyrics pertain to strangers spreading rumors to start an argument for no good reason. Something I think at some point we've all dealt with. The song is characterized by the complex rhythm arrangement and that distinctive horn arrangement. So, If you notice that it kind of evokes the disco sound from the previous album, Off the Wall, that's because it was actually supposed to be included on that album. 
they held off on it and eventually pushed it until it ended up on this album. And even before that, Michael actually wrote it for his sister, LaToya Jackson. And it was about her troubled relationship with her sister-in-law. Now, don't ask me which one. There are many Jackson brothers. It was one of only four songs that Jackson received writing credits on for this album. And it is the only single to not have a music video accompanying it. One thing that you'll notice near to the end of the song is the background singing the lyrics, Mama say, Mama sa, Mama kusa. You know, Mama say, Mama sa, Mama kusa. We all know that part of the song. Michael was known to put in elements of different cultures in his music throughout his entire career. In this case, he scattered over the word makusa, which is a Cameroonian music genre and dance. So, you know, he's kind of playing with the beat, but he's kind of getting you into that same sort of style. While he's doing this, it also breaks down into just like, rhythmic claps, you know, just like that sort of thing while they're doing this. Sounds awesome. It is very on point for Michael Jackson, using a mix of rhythmic styles to create his own personal sound. Now we move on to track number three on the album and a duet with another great. We move on to the girl is mine. Every night she walks right in my dreams Since I met her from the start I'm so proud I am the only one Who is special in her heart The girl is mine The dog girl is mine I know she's mine Because the dog girl This one was actually released as the very first single off the Thriller album on April 14th, 1982. While Michael wrote this one himself, he brought a famous friend along for the ride. None other than Sir Paul McCartney of the Beatles. Although it was released as a single, Jackson never actually performed this live on stage. I would think probably because he needed Paul there to do it justice. Jackson said that the recording of The Girl Is Mine was one of the most enjoyable moments in the studio he had had. He said that working with Paul was pretty exciting and they just literally had fun. They actually recorded the track and vocals pretty much live at the same time, which is amazing. It's not really a thing that's done in the studio much. The song itself has a dance pop ballad feel and honestly 
kind of cheesy lyrics sometimes. Like, I mean, the main hook is, the doggone girl is mine. Like, that sounds like your dad talking. It's like that shoulder-wagging, snap-your-fingers-to-the-beat, last-song-at-the-dance kind of groove. Interestingly enough, after they recorded this song, they had a little bit of a falling out. See, Paul gave Michael some, I would say, good business advice. He told him that he should look into buying music catalogs of other artists. You know, there's some good money in there. And Michael took that advice and bought most of the Beatles catalog. (laughs) Bad form, Michael? Maybe? Maybe not. Track number four moves us into the one-two punch middle part of the album, starting with the title track, Thriller. has got to be one of Michael Jackson's biggest songs ever. It was released on January 23rd, 1984, and it was the seventh and final single from the album. I mean, way to go out with a bang. That's the way to do it. So Thriller is a mix of disco and funk and was written by songwriter Rod Temperton. He wanted to write a theatrical song to suit Jackson's love of film. The music and lyrics kind of evoke horror films, you know, with sound effects like thunder, footsteps, wind, howling, and a creaky door at the beginning. Interestingly, the original title was actually Starlight, with chorus lyrics like, Give me starlight, starlight sun. Not as catchy as Thriller, definitely. The production team, led by Quincy Jones, wanted this song to be the title track, but they thought that Starlight was not a strong album title. They kind of wanted something more mysterious to match Michael's evolving persona. There were several possible titles that floated around, um, including Midnight Man, which Quincy Jones thought, you know, we were getting on the right track there. But eventually they settled on Thriller because of how it sounded coming out of Michael's mouth. Temperton kind of envisioned this spoken word sequence for the end of the song And it was decided that they should have a famous voice from the horror genre to 
to perform it. And they decided on Vincent Price. Now, if you don't know who Vincent Price is, look him up. He was like an actor who was known best for horror films like House of Wax or The House on Haunted Hill. If you think horror, think Vincent Price. Now, I'm not usually too much for a spoken word in songs, but this one is almost absolutely necessary. Like it gave you that this is a horror film kind of vibe. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver for no This song could have been bank just on its own, but it was accompanied by probably the most famous music video ever. It was a 13 minute short film with a budget of $500,000. That is more than any other music video at the time. So it had... It had everything. Um, It definitely had a lasting impact on pop culture from Michael's iconic red leather jacket, right? To the infamous dance with the undead that I'm sure everyone learned in the 80s. I know I did. It also had that last part, you know, after Vincent Price is done speaking and doing his whole thing, where you thought Michael was a normal boy trying to save the like nice girl and then he turned around and it was like ah, 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 and he's just like this wolf boy which as a toddler or a small small child freaked me the hell out but it's so cool it's the song that's played on loop during Halloween season and it is a masterpiece Moving on to track number five, we have another iconic song in Beat It. single on the album was released on Valentine's Day 1983 and a love song it was not. Quincy Jones had encouraged Jackson to include a rock song on the album and this was a first for Michael. He later said I wanted to write a song the type of song that I would buy if I were to buy a rock song. Although it still has that 
dance feeling of Michael Jackson, it is definitely a harder sound than we were used to coming from him. Wanting to really come across as a genuine rock song, they brought in the big guns. Eddie Van Halen, the lead guitarist for the band, Van Halen, was asked to add a guitar solo. Now, if there was anybody who could whip out a badass solo for your track, it was Eddie Van Halen. When Quincy Jones contacted Eddie, um, he actually thought he was getting prank called. (laughs) But once he established that this call was actually genuine, he recorded his guitar solo free of charge as a favor to them. Now, was this a wise business choice for Eddie? Probably not. He could have been raking in royalties. But Eddie wanted to do this. And when he wanted to do something, he did it. The solo is amazing. So amazing that during the recording of the song, the sound of his guitar actually caused the monitor speaker in the control room to catch fire causing one of the engineers to shout, this must be really good. Like, you know your solo is, no pun intended, fire, when things light on fire. Of course, this song has another iconic music video that is described in the best way possible. It features Jackson bringing two gangs together through the power of music and dance, which is how all gang fights should always end. Up next is track number six, A song with an iconic name, simply Billie Jean. single and the one that really got the ball rolling was released on January 2nd, 1983. While blending post-disco rhythm and blues, funk and dance pop, it was a song 
about a woman who claims that the narrator is the father of her newborn son, which he denies. Jackson said that the lyrics were based on groupies' claims about his older brothers when he toured with them as the Jackson Five. Apparently, Quincy Jones didn't like the 29-second intro to this song, but I think he was dead wrong because it is the best part of the song. And I'm not alone because so did Michael, hence it was kept in. So, the song starts with probably the most basic groove in drumming, but it's so good. Like, this is the groove that you teach students first to get them into these things. It's so in the pocket that it hits what I like to call the Jackson pop. When it hits that snare drum, it literally makes you bounce because it is so deep creviced in that pocket that it just hits a different part of your brain. Next comes the infamous bass line that every bass player at some point will learn. Doom, 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 doom. We all know it. And then, if that's not enough to make you dance, in comes do, 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 do. That's right. That is the sound of an electronic wind instrument called a lyricon. It kind of looks like a flute, but it makes that specific sound. Jones was also worried about the name of the song. He thought that people may think the song referred to the tennis player at the time, Billie Jean King. Jackson, however, refused to change it. And through the years, many people have thought that Billie Jean was an actual person. Arguably, the best thing to come out of this song happened on the TV special Motown 25, Yesterday, Today, Forever. While he performed this song, he introduced his most iconic look for the first time. We're talking about the black fedora, the short pants with the white socks, the white t-shirt, the black blazer, and of course, the signature single white sequenced glove. And if that wasn't enough, during the musical break, he busted out what would become his signature dance move, the moonwalk. Now, I hope everyone knows what the moonwalk is, but if you don't, you go to YouTube right now and you look up Michael Jackson moonwalking because essentially he glides backwards as if his feet are not bothered by gravity itself, hence the name Moonwalk. 
at track number seven, we have more of a, a hidden gem with the song Human Nature. single from the album was released on July 3rd, 1983. It was written by Steve Porcaro of the band Toto. You know, the people who brought you the song Africa, you know, I bless the rains down in Africa. That's right, that song. It was obviously offered to them first, Um, But they passed on it because they preferred a stadium rock-oriented song. It then was accidentally put on a demo tape of songs Porcaro wanted to give to Quincy Jones. At the time, he didn't have any more blank tapes. So he had the demo of Human Nature on one side. So what he did is he just recorded the demos he wanted to give Quincy Jones on the other side and then labeled it, listen to this side only. Now, as Quincy is listening to them, he really didn't think any of them would really fit the album, but he had an auto reverse setting on his tape deck. So it meant that once one side was fully complete, it would auto reverse to the next side. And then he heard the demo of Human Nature with basically just some scratch lyrics on it. Just like a why, why, da 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 da, that kind of thing. They put some new lyrics to it, and the rest, as they say, is history. Although it's a slower song, it's such a groove. You have those echoing whys, you know, it's like, why, 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 why? (laughs) That's my interpretation of echoes in the chorus. But I think the best part of the song is like, just randomly in the middle, he kicks into that really high part that, oh, why, oh, why? Like, so good. I sing that out loud every time I hear this song. And that's why Human Nature entered into the top 10 of the Billboard charts. Let's finish this with a bang, shall we? With track number eight, named PYT, parentheses, Pretty Young Thing. Where did you come from, baby? And ooh, won't you take me back? Got a way, won't you, baby? Tender, you've got to be. It's my knee, just sugar-free. 
sixth single was released on September 19, 1983. There was an original demo written by Michael that Quincy Jones actually passed on. However, he did love the title and wrote an entirely new song around it. So it had that disco-infused kind of funk to it that Jackson made famous. When they recorded the backup vocal, the engineer actually had Jackson positioned at different distances from the microphone to record each track. This got them the kind of thicker sound in the middle. Another cool fact is that in the bridge, when Jackson is talking to the pretty young things, you know, the part where he's like, pretty young things, repeat after me. I said, na, 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 that part there. The female voices that are the pretty young things are that of his two sisters, Latoya and famously known Janet Jackson. PYT was actually never performed live by Michael Jackson, which honestly is a pity because it is such a banger. Now, this is usually the time that I would choose my rogue pick from the album, but I'm not going to do that today, and this is why. The album only has nine songs on it, including the seven singles we already talked about. And the other two songs, honestly, well, I don't really like them. (laughs) So I don't know. They're just, they're extremely average in every way. And I want my rogue picks to be songs that I think you would like and that you may not have heard of. Now, I don't think they're bad songs and I don't think it harms the album at all because the other seven songs were so good that to have two mediocre filler songs, not bad at all. However, it is time for the human boombox to put my two cents in. That's right, out of the seven tracks that we talked about today, I am going to rank them from seven to one, my opinion of what I think are the best songs. So here we go. At number seven, I have The Girl Is Mine. Quality song with a Paul McCartney feature, but just in comparison to the other songs, it it just can't reach the heights that I would like it to reach. At number six, I've got Wanna Be Starting Something, cool song. Number five, I've got The Banger, PYT. At number four, I have Human Nature. I don't know, something about that song, it reminds me of my childhood, so it always ranks a little higher. With the top three, I've got number three, Beat It, number two, Thriller, and my favorite song on this album, has got to be Billie Jean. It is so good. Now, I want you to let me know what your favorite song was from the Thriller album on all of our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at the Human Boombox Pod. And if you feel like jamming out to some Michael Jackson today, you can find all of the songs you heard today and from every other episode on the Human Boombox playlist, only available 
on Spotify. I want to thank you so much for joining me. This is Maggie Minty, and I am the Human Boombox. Thank you.